She's passionate about helping you become the best mama you can be and is pulling back the curtain on experts' advice for every area of our lives, from eating for wellness, the best advice for littles, fashion and style, and everything in between. Get ready to get real. This is Not Your Mama's Podcast with your host, Christina Franci. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. The title of this episode is Sex and Relationship as Tools for Healing. In this episode, we are speaking with Whitney Tugis, who is an international expression, intimacy, and pleasure coach and kink integration educator. She believes that sex and relationships offer opportunities for deep healing, expansion, and self-actualization, but that most of us never scratch the surface of what is possible to experience. Whitney is the creator of Pleasure Academy and the School of Sexual Sorcery, which in which she teaches women the ecstatic pleasure method, a step-by-step program she created to teach vulva owners how to experience the limitless orgasm potential that is their birthright. Right. Whitney, it is such an honor to have you on. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. You know, everyone wants to have good sex. Everyone wants to orgasm and you are the woman to teach us how to do that. But before we dive into the topic today, can you give the audience a little bit more about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's so wonderful to have this conversation with you. So my background, I was raised in an area of the country that is notoriously pretty repressed. I'm from South Carolina. And I always share that while it wasn't my family's culture to be really hush-hush about sex, the area I grew up in was. And so that was really my formative introduction to sex. And I think that all of us have some variation of this experience of sex being in some way shameful. So my background really comes from not getting the education about sex, pleasure, and really the power of sexuality beyond just physically and into more spiritual and transcendent and healing opportunities and not having that experience, not having that education that I wish I had and learning and growing and recognizing that there were also other people who wished that they had that experience and now teaching it. Um, obviously I'm skipping over a whole lot, but to put it into summary, started as not getting the education that I needed, compiled life experience that gave me the education and then offering it to other people who also didn't have this powerful information. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember, you know, my first like sexual experience in like high school, I was like, I just like, don't really know what I'm doing. You know, where, where my hands go, (laughs) you know, and like how to like really relax to like get to that climax, you know, cause you sometimes, you do have to like somewhat be relaxed in order to like achieve, especially for women. Cause we're so in our heads, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's great that we have people out there like you to help teach, you know, women how to like own their sexuality and use it as a tool for like healing and exhilaration and, um, expression. So how, how can we use sex and relationships as a tool for healing? Like, can you give a little bit more insight to how these two components go hand in hand? Absolutely. So I think the really foundational component that can be applied to anyone, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, expression is reframing how we think of and talk about sex and orgasm. 
sex in our culture is seen as either something really dirty and shameful that we don't talk about at all or something performative for the purpose of achieving quote unquote a climax and when we look at it through that lens we really miss the opportunity to be fully present in the experience and we set the standard as the end point instead of the journey itself so what i always tell people in the the foundational teachings of what i teach are in learning how to be open and receptive moment to moment in the experience and not just completely strip away the notion of having to get somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes that's hard because you put these expectations on yourself or like, even like your partner, you know, Mm. like you want them to just, you know, your partner as well. Like, like, are they going to climax or whatever it is? You know, sometimes you start thinking about the other person too. Right. And what happens, and obviously this is all a practice. Nobody is perfect at this. We're all human and we're all fumbling our way through it. But what happens in practicing presence and body attunement and amplifying sensation outside of sexual encounters, when you do that and it becomes more habitual, when you're then in those situations that are sexual, that are intimate, that are vulnerable, it becomes sort of that like riding a bike almost that you default into that practice of presence. So it's a lot easier to drop out of your head and into your body when you practiced it outside that context. But mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. It's so normalized and there is recognition that it's not ideal but there's also a lot perpetuating that as the norm still and not really, there's not a whole lot of alternative to the achievement and the performance narrative that all of us are subject to. Yeah. So how do we use it as a tool for healing? Just, you know, being able to like let go of our thoughts and and really just dive into our bodies and just try to be in the moment type of thing. And Mm -hmm. and it helps us teach, teach us to just be, is that kind of like what you mean? Yeah. So there's a component of it that's inward focused. That's focused on your relationship with yourself. Um, There's huge opportunity in sex and relationships of relationships of all kinds to practice things like boundary setting, Um, voicing desires, expressing things that you'd like to be done differently or sharing really deeply vulnerable fantasies or fetishes. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's all internal stuff that you can grow and heal within yourself in the container of sex and relationships. And then there are more interpersonal components of healing, like opening yourself up to these ecstatic realms of pleasure with a partner requires deep trust. It requires deep vulnerability and having a partner who can meet you in that. And if they can take it a step beyond that and even reprogram, rewire some of these originally imprinted wounds that we all carry from sex and relationships Mm -hmm. in sex, it can be really, really powerful and also really terrifying hmm Yeah. So how is it that, how can you help people become comfortable with asking for they want in sex, um, in their relationship? Because I know sometimes 
you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing, you know? And I mean, of course, first you need to have trust and feel comfortable with the person, but how would you suggest like to a woman like me wanting to express what I like in the bed to someone? Yeah, that's a really good question. So relatable to step into conversations that are highly emotionally charged, we'll say, and that are deeply vulnerable. It's most helpful I've found to practice in this case, asking for what we want in situations that are not so emotionally charged and vulnerable. So for someone who has trouble like sending a meal back because it wasn't prepared in the way they asked for, then there are ways that you can do that with grace and, you know, honoring the other person and still asking for what you want. Mm -hmm. For someone who has a hard time doing something like that in a situation where there's not a lot at stake for them, they're definitely going to have a hard time in a situation with an intimate partner asking for what they want when there is a lot at stake. So again, it goes back to removing yourself from the highly charged, deeply vulnerable container and first practicing outside of that container. Things as simple as, um, you know, if you have plans with a friend and you're going to do one thing and then on the day of, you're really not feeling up for it and you need to renegotiate the plan or you need to you know, push it off by a day or two. Learning how to listen to and honor yourself in life in general is going to build that muscle so that when you are in situations where the stakes are higher, you're more comfortable with those stakes being higher and can step into that conversation with more fortitude. That's good. It's just like an everyday life practice skill, basically. It totally is. And the same is true. The things that make sex so incredible or have potential to be so incredible are really things that aren't practiced in sex. They are just brought to life and animated and amplified in sex, but they're things that are practiced most often outside of those contexts that translate beautifully into it because there's so much more depth and so much more opportunity for healing and growth and expansion. What's your thought on porn? I have watched porn and all that stuff because I mean, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, you know, mm-hmm. especially the young boys, like they get exposed to it a lot younger. So then they have in their mind this, what sex should be, yeah. you know, because they're getting it off like of the porn sites. And a lot of it's just, you know, bang, bang, bang. You know, it's not love making. It's, right. it's straight fucking. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I don't know, just like what your thoughts are um, when it comes <clears> to <throat> porn. So I have, I have um, complex opinions on porn. I don't see porn as inherently bad or wrong or shameful or anything wrong with it. I see it as an expression of a natural aspect of humanity, which is sexuality. Mm-hmm. The way that mainstream porn is used mostly, I think can be detrimental to what sex can be which isn't to say like oh sex always has to be love making it always has to be expanded and yeah. spiritual like it can be really dirty and like really kinky and do all kinds like do whatever yeah. the fuck you want in it <laughs> and what's lacking in porn um 
it shows such a narrow facet of a sexual experience and it's for entertainment purposes. It's not for educational purposes. And there are a lot of people, teenagers, adults who rely on porn for sexual education because there's not a lot of sexual education available. None of us get pleasure education. At, at most, we might learn in school how not to get pregnant or not to yeah. get STDs, but there are very few places where teenagers are having conversations about their bodies in ways that are honoring and about consent and about pleasure and about you know shame-free sexual education. Humans are intrinsically sexual. Yeah. We are curious about it. We are here in existence on this planet as a result of sex, quite literally. Yeah. Literally. I mean, and yeah, that's literally I mean, if all, <laughs> yeah, if all we're handed is porn as a way to learn about it, because it's something that is not discussed openly, that's not talked about, and we're not supposed to be curious about it. Mm-hmm. Porn becomes something that I don't think it's really, um, created to be, which is an educational tool, education and porn. I don't think go hand in hand, um, entertainment and porn do, but I think that that line gets blurred. And I think that there's a lot more that I could say about it, about how, if the deeper emotional needs of people aren't met, how, you know, that it can be used as a numbing tool, like so many other things. Yeah, totally. We won't go into that, but just porn existing, on its own, I don't have a problem with, but I do have a problem with the way it's sometimes used. And I think that it's indicative of a need for something else that that serves that purpose better than porn does because that's not what it's there for. Hey friends, I hope you are enjoying this week's episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. This podcast would not be possible if it wasn't for the support of you, my wonderful community. To support your mama's podcast, please click the support link right down below and you can donate just as little as 99 cents. Also, follow me in the Shop Like to Know It app where you can follow me with all my exclusive content all the way from baby products I love, fashion and style and everything in between. Now let's get back to the episode. Totally. Yeah, no, I agree. It's entertainment, but it's not an educational tool. Um, I think like what you offer, like your school that you have, your Pleasure Academy and School of Sexual Sorcery is probably what someone wants to go to to learn a little bit more about, you know, sex education and things like that. So my question to you, just a little bit of a topic change, because I'm very curious how can we experience life-changing orgasms? Mm. Oh, I love this topic so much. So again, by practicing these foundational principles like presence, like non-attachment, like um, there are embodied practices you can do to reprogram and denumb your your body, your genitals um, that can certainly translate into more pleasurable sex. So I teach my clients something uh, called the jade egg practice. This is something that anyone with a vagina can do, but with a jade egg practice, first of all, a jade egg is what it sounds like. It's a semi-precious stone in the shape of an egg, usually with a drilled hole in it. And you use some sort of non-string 
waxed dental floss great to put through this through the hole and then you can insert it into the vagina when your vagina is ready and you can use it to build articulation of the muscles tone strength resensitize internally what's happening in your body and just short duration i don't mean put it in leave it in for a day but that's something that can be really helpful to women in awakening that part of their body and, and empowering them to eagle on it so um just letting it sit in there you it can. seems like the jade does something yeah so if you're using it to strengthen those muscles you can use it sort of as a weight you can put a weight outside of it or use your finger on the string mm. i always caution if if someone is interested in a practice like that be careful not to just focus on the squeeze on the constriction you have to also balance that with the release and the relaxation so what a lot of women do and i did this after i had my son is they focus on like tighten, 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 tighten. And to have pleasurable sex, you need to be able to contract and you need to be able to release. So if you're only contracting and not allowing those muscles to come back into relaxation fully, you're really limiting the mobility of the muscle and collapsing the window of pleasure that's possible for you to experience. So that's a really genitally focused way of doing it, but there are things you can do to awaken and amplify pleasure in your entire body just throughout the day, not even sexually, but next time you eat something, you can make a practice of even taking a bite of something, paying attention to the flavor, the temperature, the texture as it changes, where you feel it on your tongue, where your saliva is moving, just tuning into these things that we're so often not aware of because if we were we couldn't function in the world makes sense mm -hmm. but tuning into those as a practice again builds this pattern and this ability to amplify sensation and amplify what you're experiencing in any moment in life and then beautifully in sex yeah no i love it it's um i need to try that little jade thing yeah do that you know I know I've always been like, after I had my son, um, there was like, got a Kegel, got to always do the Kegels, you know? And it's like something so easy to do, but then I, sometimes it's so easy not to do, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I mean, it's something that doesn't take that much time, but also it's not something that most of us would think to do, but yeah. I love jade eggs. I think they're yeah. great. <laughs> Um, so I have four questions I ask all my guests and I can't wait to know what your answers are. My first one is who and what inspires you? My son inspires me. I feel like all of my life I had these subconscious beliefs about men that, you know, they were in some, and this was all very deeply subconscious. Like I had, I had a wonderful dad, I had male friends. I had boyfriends. Like, it was not something I was aware of, but it wasn't until I became pregnant and learned I was having a son that I realized, oh my gosh, I think all these terrible things about men subconsciously. And I knew that I wanted to raise my son in a way that he felt authentic and like he was safe to be his full self. And I knew that humans that are raised as boys are not really afforded that opportunity as much as humans raised as girls. So his existence in this world has really catalyzed in me this incredible um, fire 
and passion for expression and has really caused me to examine some beliefs that I didn't know I carried. And it's made me, it's made me such a better person. And it's funny, you hear people say that when your children are born, you're born also. And I think that's so true. I wouldn't be who I am today if he wasn't in the world. Totally. Yeah. It's definitely a game changer. Those little, those little babies that come in into the world and they teach us so much about ourselves and things that we never knew, like you said, like subconsciously about men, you know, and I I did hear somewhere, it was like kind of going around that women that have boys first, uh, need to experience true love. And then women that have girls need to learn a lesson. Um, not saying that that's true or anything like that, but I don't know. It makes sense sometimes for me. I'm like, Oh my God, that's probably why I have two boys. I need to like learn about love more, you know? Um, totally tracks for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just something I heard, it's not for sure true or anything like that, but I thought it was very interesting and it kind of hit me hard when I first, um, heard that. Um, so my second question is, what is something you wished you knew when you were younger? I wish I knew something I wish I knew when I was younger, that it's okay to do things in a way that no one else has done them, (laughs) that, um, it is acceptable and welcome. And that often the things that you're meant to bring in the world will be uncomfortable to bring into the world. Uh, and I guess that's, you know, that's part of, part of my journey, part of a lot of people's journey is to recognize that. And I, I think I was told that like, in a lot of ways by my mom and, you know, other supportive adults as I was growing up, but it's, it's been different to experience it in myself and to really embody doing things in a way that's really different. And that I haven't seen done before and living that out. Yeah. I wish I'd felt safer doing that sooner. Yeah. They have, they, from all the people I've interviewed, this is my theory. If you have a desire and if it scares you go after it, you know what I mean? Because fear is there to get you excited. It's there to help us push through our paradigms. And, you know, if everything was just handed to us and we wouldn't really know what the meaning of accomplishment was. Mm So, um, so that's just my little food for thought. If it's scary it. and you have a desire, go for it. Cause it's most likely love for it. you. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, um, so my third question is what's the essential part of your daily routine? I make my bed every day. Oh, good. Such, such a lame thing, but I like a lot of variation. I follow my intuition and what feels good moment to moment. But I notice a distinct difference on days that I make my bed and on days that I don't make my bed. And I think part of it's aesthetic. I like coming back into my room and feeling welcomed and yes. you know held in this beautiful sanctuary like space. And if it just feels disheveled, like I didn't really, I, my past self didn't adequately take care of my future self that morning is what happened. Oh yeah. No, I love, I love how you worded it like that. No, seriously, bed making, like the tiniest little things are huge, um, like achievements in some way. Like a lot of people that like just making your bed in the morning can just 
set your day up so much better. Like a lot of the, um, I don't know, what am I even trying to say? I'm sorry. I'm so brain mushed right now, but, um, a lot of like really, um, successful people like make their bed. Like they do these small little daily habits that reap so much reward. And I think it too, like what you mentioned, like making your bed is something that's really of a sanctuary. So at the end of the day, like it's not like a disheveled mess. Like it's a Mm -hmm. clean place for you to go to sleep and relax from what your day was. So that could be one of the reasons why people get so successful is because they have like a harmony place to like rest. <laughs> and I think it, for me, yes, that's definitely part of it. And I would never put it into the words that I just expressed a moment ago. I think there's definitely part of it that's habit forming, but I think actually I had an epiphany in this conversation that for me, it's sort of delayed gratification of it, investing the time to take care of yourself down the road. Mm-hmm. It's like a, an act of self-love to make your bed, which is absolute drudgery in the moment you're going to appreciate it later. You're doing it for yourself in the future. Perfect. Oh yeah. Beautiful. I love it. You worded it really nicely. Um, Okay. And then my fourth one is the best advice you've ever received. Oh, the best advice I've ever received. I've received some really good advice. The best advice I've ever received is probably to to keep blooming to not be afraid of changing your mind to not be afraid of changing course Mm -hmm. to I'm trying to remember the exact words I was told and I'm just kind of summarizing it but there was a time in my life that I was changing a lot of things all at once and a lot of the messages I got during that time from the people who were supporting me were that you know you can do hard things You don't have to do everything all at once, just one tiny step at a time. Don't be intimidated by the unknown of what lies beyond that, but just one tiny step at a time. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to change along the way. Yeah, no, beautiful. Um, Do you have any last words of advice before we say goodbye today? Oh, last words of advice. on the topic of life, the topic of pleasure, or the topic of any of these. Whatever comes to mind, pleasure, just anything you want to let the audience know. Um, I would like to share in parting, my parting words that your pleasure, your body, your sexuality, your life is first and foremost yours to celebrate, to enjoy, to experience to revel and delight in. It is not there for anyone else's approval. It is not there for anyone else's pleasure. It is not there for the satisfaction of anyone but yourself. And it is safe and healthy to desire exploring that and to desire experiencing the full scope of what's possible in these incredible bodies we inhabit beyond just what's possible physically. But the transformation that is afforded spiritual, spiritually and um, non-physically. It's totally healthy. It's totally acceptable. Anything that tells you it isn't is a lie you were once told and still believe. 
Well, Whitney, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was such an honor to have you on. I have all of Whitney's links down below in the show notes. Don't be shy. Go say hi. And thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. And I hope to see you in the next one. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you in the next one.